Open up your Bibles, if you've got a Bible with you, book of 1 John. We're going to be beginning our journey into the season of the year. The church calendar has marked as the Lenten season. So this is our 40 days of preparation called the journey into life through the book of 1 John. So backdrop on Lent is I want you to think of the season of Lent as a time of the year that's about two things, renewal and redirection. So this is the time of the year when over the next six weeks or so, let's just collectively pause, take a step back, and look at the condition and direction of our lives. And before God, say, God, is there anything you'd like to change? What needs renewed? What needs redirected? That's Lent. So we're going to do that through the book of 1 John, and then at the end of each of these messages, I'm going to kind of give you personal application to carry on into your week, Monday through Saturday, and we're going to officially get it kicked off on Wednesday, this Wednesday night, our Ash Wednesday service. If you've never been a part of an Ash Wednesday service, please join us this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock in the loft. We'll have child care here for the young ones, and we're going to Enter into the Lenten season. It officially kicks off on Wednesday night. I'm kind of giving us a, a runway to it this morning. But join us from 7 to 8 this week because we're going to begin that process of renewal and redirection. We'll serve communion on Wednesday night and we'll have a time of reflection on what this 40 days is. So the book of 1 John written by John the Apostle. Not John the Baptist. So you've got two key Johns in the New Testament. You've got John the disciple, the apostle, one of the 12. And then you've got John the Baptist, who was a forerunner to Jesus. John the apostle wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, wrote the Gospel of John, and wrote the book of Revelation. Okay, so he wrote a lot. They believe he was the oldest living disciple. He outlived all the others. This is the disciple, the phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Kind of the closest of the inner circle would have been John himself. If you've never found the book of 1 John before, the easiest way to do it is to go to the end of your Bible. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Go to the end and turn left. And your first set of books you're going to come to is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's way the way at the end. Pull out your notes if you haven't already done so. Notes on the way in for your bulletin or fire up your church app and you can find the bulletin there. As we jump in today, I want to talk about two declarations from the first couple paragraphs of 1st John. Two declarations that become two invitations into our Lenten season. 1st John 1, 1 and 2. Here's how he begins. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the, I want you to circle this phrase in your Bible, the word of life. Now when you see word, capital W, in your Bibles, who's that referring to? Jesus, right? When the pastor asks a question in church and you're not quite sure what to say, you can always, about 75%, 80% of the time, if you say Jesus, you're going to be pretty solid right there. So when you see the word, capital W, in your Bible, who's that referring to? Jesus, right? And it's, think about John 1 in his gospel. How did he begin his gospel? Remember John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we've got two key words in the Christian life. You've got the written word, kind of lowercase w, and this written word points to the living word, capital 
W. And John loves this analogy in referring to Jesus. It was John who said, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. That's word, Jesus, the word becoming flesh. So here, John is saying right at the beginning, he's got a declaration. We've seen Jesus. We've heard Jesus. We've touched Jesus. We've walked with Jesus. And now John's saying, I'm going to proclaim some things about this Jesus to you. Verse 2, the life appeared. See, we have seen it. We testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So first declaration from John, from John is God is life. It bookends his, his letter here. I want you to follow this. So, look, so you saw on the front end, I had you underline in verse 1, word of life. Verse 2, you see where it says life appeared. He says it's an eternal kind of life in verse 2. That's like the front end of his letter. Now listen to the closing section of his letter. Up here on the screen, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. Here's how he wraps his letter up. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. So here, it's obvious John is talking about something beyond physical life. So there's a whole, do you know it's possible to be like physically alive but not truly living? Anybody been there? We're just kind of physically going through the motion, but you're not really living the way John's talking about the fullness of life. When John uses the word life, it's the Greek word zoe. Say zoe. Zoe. And put it in your notes. Z-O-E. Here's what it means. John's talking about an absolute fullness of life. He's talking about a life that can be sustained by God. An eternal kind of life. A life where you're really living. Are you with me? That's a life. Because you can have physical life but be spiritually flatlined. That's actually the condition we're born into. You're born with a physical pulse, but spiritually you're flatlined. And that's what John's saying. Until you come to know the word, capital W, the, the Son, capital S, when you find Jesus, you find what we were singing about here the last half hour. You find what? You find life. There's nothing like his name. There's no more powerful name, no more wonderful name than when you discover personally Jesus. God is life. There's a Zoe kind of life, an absolute fullness of life that is available to us because he's not just proclaiming God is life. That's a really good thing that God is life. But follow me here. It's even better that you and I can experience that life. That God is life is good. That you and I can taste and see and live in and experience this God of life, that's even that much better and this is what he gets at in verse 3. Follow me here. He's, look what he says. We proclaim to you. So he's declaring. He's like, guys, I got to let you know this, that what we have seen and heard so that you may have, circle in your Bibles, fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, fellowship's kind of a church word. I get it. We have things in church called fellowship halls and we have fellowship meals. It kind of conjures up potlucks and coffee cake and some of those things, right? Fellowship. But John's were using the word fellowship. It's got a lot deep. You got to go deeper than that word. And I put it in your notes. It's the Greek word koinonia. When you see fellowship in your Bible, here's what I want you to think. Participate with. Participate in the life of. 
So here's John saying, hey, there, God is life, and there's a kind of life that anybody can have. At any time, they would choose it. If they get linked up with Jesus, here's what they can find. They can participate with God in living their everyday life. We like to say it around here, living everyday life with Jesus. That means you get to live your ordinary everyday, going to work, running errands, making mac cheese for the kids kind of life. You get to do that with God through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And John says that's a Zoe kind of life. That's a fullness of life. That's when you're really living, when you live everyday life with him. And the choice is this, you can choose to live that way. John's like, hey, God's life, this is available to you. Jesus has come. It's a glorious invitation. You can step in and have fellowship with him. You can participate with him in living your life. Or you can go about living your life kind of on your own, running your life your way by your rules, your timetable. You just... And kind of what I call giving Jesus the spiritual Heisman, right? You got that spiritual Heisman moved down, right? Where you just keep him at arm's length, right? Where you just say, I got this, Lord. Appreciate the counsel. I'm good. The Bible has a word for when you choose to go that way. The Bible word for that is foolishness. It says, why is so fool? Why would you choose to go that way when God is offering you an eternal kind of life, a Zoe life, a life of participating where you can have a life that's sustained by God? Why would you want to go the godless route, the self-centered route? So I grew up on these bad boys right here. I grew up on the Slim Jim. The North 9th Avenue Bicycle Gang, hey, right here, this was our four and five food groups right here. We were the Slim Jim and Slurpee crowd. That was us. You want to roll with the 9th Avenue Bicycle Gang? You are rolling down to local 7-Eleven for Slurpees and Slim Jims. And you wonder why the girls just flock to us. I mean, they could keep their hands off of us. Because this is the kind of meal that you'd have, and it would just coat the roof of your mouth. And you could have it for a good taste one to two hours afterwards. You're just kind of soaking in the Slim Jim. Are you with me? Have you ever looked at the ingredients on the Slim Jim? I did. Do you know what's close to, it's not number one, but it's right close to the top of the stack. It says, mechanically separated chicken. Did you know such a thing existed? My mind went to what device mechanically separates chicken. I'm like, wow, that's some really good stuff right there. So after I grew up a little bit, I remember my first do you remember, I don't know if they still call them this today. Do you remember when you had like site visits and plant visits when you were interviewing for companies that were courting you? They called them plant visits back in the 90s. And so I remember my first plant visit when the company who was trying to recruit me to work for them took me to a steakhouse. Now we had been to some steakhouses growing up that would have been more in the Slim Jim side of the, you know, Ryan Steakhouse or something like that. Felt like you had some steak there. And then I went to this steakhouse and 
they ordered for me an eight ounce bone-in filet cooked medium to medium well, just kind of that medium plus. And when that thing was dropped in front of me, I'd never seen anything like that. And they didn't even bother serving a knife with it. I said, uh, could I get a knife? I got to cut my steak. And he said to me, you don't need a knife. Anybody had one of those? I looked at my fork. I thought, oh boy, this is, is going to change your life right here. <laughs> I mean, it's going to change your life right here. I took my fork through that eight ounce bone in filet. And when that hit my taste buds, this skinny boy from Central Iowa got a whole new category. That's called really good cow. I mean, that, that cow is good. Where did you raise that cow? What did you feed him or her? Are you kidding me? Now, stay with me. I'm coming to your neighborhood on this issue. Stay with me here. Here's what 1 John 1 is saying. Simpson, why would you want to hang out with Slurpees and Slim Jims when I've got a banquet table called eight-ounce fillets waiting for you in Jesus' name? Why would you do that? Why would you settle for mechanically separated chicken when you could go eight-ounce bone-in filet in Jesus' name? Are you with me? That's what John's saying. He's like, Jesus has come. There's no one like him. Have you met him? He's got life. He's got Zoe kind of life. Why would you give him the spiritual Heisman? Look what he did for you. He laid down his life for you. We're going to come to that in this Lenten season on Good Friday. Look what he did for you when he rolled the stone away and he got footprints out of the grave. It's like, you want to do what with him? You want to go back to mechanically separated chicken and living your self-centered spiritual Heisman. I got this foolish life. Why? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go through life like it's all on your own shoulders? Why? Why would you not want to have everyday life with the living God to sustain you? Man, this life is hard enough with Jesus. I can't fathom why someone continually chooses decade after decade of their life to say, I got this, I'm good. Are you kidding me? So God is life. John says, that's wonderful. This journey of the Lenten season is a journey into life. A Zoe kind of life. A participate with God life. A raise my kids with God. Build a marriage with God. Go to work with God. Serve his purposes in this world with God. And when I lie down and take my last breath, I do that with the living God. Why would you not want that life? That's what John's saying. That, hey, not only is God life, you and I, we can step into that life in Jesus' name. Second declaration from John, which becomes an invitation. Look at verse 4 and following. We write this to make our joy complete. Do you get that from John? Like he's, he's fired up about it. He's like, I got so much in my heart to share with you. He says, let's make my joy complete. Let me get this out. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, Underline this in your Bibles. God is light. In him there is no darkness at 
all. Do you see that? God is light in verse 5. If you jump down to verse 7, it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light. If you go back to John's gospel, John 1 verse 4 says in him was life and that life was the light of men. Do you see that? Life and light. And then John 8, 12, here's what Jesus said. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you see John declaring God is life and God is light? And man, is light a really, really good thing? When you're stumbling around in the dark, how great is light? Oh my gosh. You've been there? Or you couldn't hardly see the next step or whatever. Where am I going to go with this? And then God, God's light is a wonderful gift to help provide just what we need when we need it. I remember it was uh, several years ago, summer, Kansas City. We went to a wedding. Kendra and I, friends are getting married in Kansas City. And the reception was in the evening. It was wrapping up. And we were leaving the reception just at the time one of those classic Midwestern thunderstorms rolls in. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is one of those rolls in off the hills, pitch black, lightning everywhere, wind, rain so hard you can't see across the street. And so we're pulling out of the parking garage staring at this mess. And my wife says, hey, honey, why don't we just wait for a few minutes and kind of let this pass and then I think we'll be able to see where we're going a little easier. And I said what every good husband would say, right, men? I said to her, honey, how did I get so lucky to marry a fountain of wisdom like you? Of course, we'll just pull over here in the parking garage and we'll just hang out and and we'll wait for a bit until the storm passes like any good husband would do, right? Of course not. What did I say to her? I turned to her and I said, no, we'll be fine see you guys got it we'll be fine and pull out of that parking garage we have no idea where we're going because we're in downtown kansas city so we pull up siri put the address in the girls are staying with friends we got to get from downtown to their address and i'm trying to get to the interstate so i push go on MapQuest and i just follow siri's voice and it gets raining harder wind gets stronger lightning and it's a you have no business being out storm type of thing it gets so hard to see that it was one of those moments where all you could see was three to four feet in front of your headlights. And Siri said, turn right here. I turned right. And I noticed the incline of the vehicle went like this. And we just started going down. Okay? And I was like, oh, well, this, I'm just like, uh. And I, you can't see. I can't. I don't have any context of where we just kept going down. About 100 yards down. And then I noticed I'd stopped seeing pavement. All I saw was water. So we're going down, pavement disappears, street lights are out in this section because the storm's so bad. This is about time I look over to Kendra and she has that look. <laughs> Wives, you are so good with this look. And I praise her self-control that she did not speak it. But she had the look like uh, wisdom would have been, yeah. Um, but she just let out one of those Jesus help us prayers. Been there? I kind of had the, you know, husband take a little stronger grip on the steering wheel. We have a 2004 Camry, not your most aquatically gifted vehicle here. (laughs) All right, so we're going down, and I lose pavement, and it's pitch black, and this big old 4x4 
high up off the ground, four by fours coming the other way. And his headlights are high enough up that it gives me context to where we're at. His headlights hit this area. And I look over to our left, and what used to be a creek is now a raging river. This raging river is so far out of its banks, I think I'm in the raging river. That's what it looks like. The, me and the river, we're all one here. All this direction is a raging river. And I quickly go, okay, I got to go back up to the right. I look to the right, and the 100-yard hill this way. I'm like, oh, maybe I can go up that hill this way. The streetlights were on there. I look up, and that hill has turned into a cascading waterfall. There's so much water coming down that hill, I wasn't convinced that that road wouldn't throw this Camry straight that way. That's how much water was pouring down. So I'm looking that way. I'm looking this way. I'm staring at this, and all can of Jesus help us. I'm trying to decide, back, left, right, forward, what do I do? Right at that moment, two little tiny red lights appeared in front of me, taillights. Two tiny, that's all I needed. It's all these two gas pedal. And as soon as I go out forward, I started to feel, man, you with me? I started to see if the car was becoming buoyant at that point as we're going across to see, because the water's up to now bottom of the doors. So the street's filling up though. It's the bottom of the doors, maybe a little higher. And we're going across there. And all I keep my eyes locked on these two little red lights. I'm telling you what, if them two little red lights we're going straight into that riverbank. I tell you right now, we're in that river. We're, we're, I'm just wherever them red lights are going, this 2004 Camry is going right there. What felt like a half an hour was probably like 10 minutes. Where we finally slinked our way through this and got up to some higher ground. Of course, I had to stop the car at that point. You ever been there? Right? You just have so much adrenaline going at that point. You're just like, I can't drive. We pull off to the side of the road, turned the car around. For Kendra and I, it was our Red Sea. It was Moses and the Red Sea moment. We looked over. You couldn't see anything but a raging river out of its banks. You couldn't see houses or sidewalks or road. Or you just saw massive water. And I go, honey, that, that's, that's where we just came up out through. How good is light when you're caught in the middle of the dark? How many of you have been in your own personal life storm in such a way? The wind is blowing, lightning, crashing waves, so much, there's so much noise and chaos. You can't see but three or four feet in front of you, let alone the next decision you need to make at the fork in the road. And at that moment, how good is this declaration of John? John says, God is light. He's like these two red taillights in the middle of the dark, in the middle of the storm. says, hey, follow me. I'll show you where to put your foot. Put your foot here. Don't put it here. Go this way. Don't go that way. Because God is life is a wonderful declaration. We can participate in this life as even better. God is light is a wonderful declaration that you and I can walk in this light. How much better is that? We can have a walk in the light of God kind of life. That's an invitation. And so God is life and God is light. We can experience this life. We can walk in that light. Which leaves us with the question to enter into the Lenten season with. Do you want that? Any point of spiritual transformation begins answering this question. What do you want? 
because we live toward what we want. What you desire shapes who you become. So here's John declaring before us, there is a God in Jesus' name who is life and who is light. And he says, do you want his life and his light? Do you want it? And the answer to that question will be displayed in the actions of our life over time. Not just a one moment in time, yes, and then go live my life as if God is not life and is not light. That's not right. He's talking about an eternal kind of life, a participate with God in a sustained kind of life. So as we enter into this Lenten season, here's what I want to leave you with this morning. When you wake up on Easter morning, what's going to be different? 49 days from now. What's God want to be different in your heart and mind? What's he want to reshape? What's he want to redirect? At the start is an invitation to life and an invitation to light. And a response to the question, what do you want? I put a quote in your notes by Thomas Merton. He said, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat. Ask me what I am living for and what I think is keeping me from living fully for that. We live toward what we want. So this week, here's what I'd like you to do. of a Lenten assignment for the week. I'd like us to prioritize two minutes every day of stillness and silence. Doesn't matter to me when you do the two minutes. Early in the morning, middle of the day, late at night, doesn't matter. Two minutes. I want to encourage you to set your phone timer because two minutes is longer than you think if you're trying to do it in your head. Two minutes, stillness and silence. If you want it to be longer, fine, but at least two. And then we will be pushing out daily Lenten scripture readings. And I'd like you to commit after the two minutes of silence to read the scriptures for each day of Lent. It'll be on our website. I put the reference there in your note sheet. And we'll push them out through the app each day. It starts on Ash Wednesday. And then thirdly, I'd like you to take some time this week, and on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd like you to rank your current spiritual hunger entering into this Lenten season. So one being barely have enough hunger to come to church type thing, or you you can't imagine it being much lower, a 1. 10 being you can't remember a time in your life that your spiritual hunger has been stronger than it is right now. I want you to give a number to your current place of Spiritual hunger, appetite for God, desire for this life and this light. Give yourself a number. And then I want you to form a Lent group, text group at least. Two to three other people I want you to invite in and call them your Lent group. And I want you to text in daily accountability, stillness and silence, scripture reading. Text them the number you gave. Say, hey, this this is where I think I'm at on the spiritual hunger. And then just let it be. If you guys want to get together during Lent, that's fine too. But at a minimum, have some... Lent group to link up to participate in these practices with every day. Why? Because God is life and he is light and we can participate in this life and we can walk in his light. And he just says, do you want to? Because that's where the journey begins. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being life. Thank you for being light. Thank you for offering us a life that is an eternal kind of life. Thank you for being light in our darkness. So many of us remember times, or maybe we're in one right now, maybe in the middle of a storm, pitch black, can't see what to do next and where to go. And thank you that you promised to send your light, 
even if it's the faintest set of taillights on the horizon, you're a faithful God. And so would you stir up in our hearts a hunger, a thirst, and a desire to know you and walk with you and love you and serve you and give our all to you. Harvest out of this Lenten season all that you want. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.